Hear now these words from the book of Numbers. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And these words from the 103rd Psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a parent has compassion for her children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear her. For she knows how we were made. She remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. For the wind, when the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness, to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you angels, and you mighty ones who do God's bidding, obedient to God's spoken word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers that do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Here ends the reading from God's holy word. May God bless it to our use and and to our understanding. The Reverend Vanessa Payne Rose, members of First Church Fairfield, family and friends who have come from near and far to share in this joyous occasion. It is a singular honor and privilege to be here. I have known Vanessa, well, for a long time. And even as a teenager, she exhibited the marks of a call to ministry. So it's a particular joy to see that call come to such beautiful blossoming. 
And I began my own ministry just down the road at Saugatuck Church in Westport. So I've long known of this remarkable congregation and your ministries, which only increases my joy in being here. So what are we doing here? How do we describe this occasion? The word installation has always struck me as an odd word to describe this ceremony. It seems to me that other kinds of ceremonies have much more fitting titles. For instance, inauguration indicates that you're beginning something. Likewise, with the term commencement, you're starting something new, entering a new phase. Graduation indicates that you're you're taking a step up. Ordination comes from the word order, and it indicates you are joining some kind of religious order. Coronation literally means crowning. That all makes sense. But installation? That sounds like something you do to a computer program. You install it. Or to a refrigerator. You pay for the installation of a new one. So I'm actually not sure what the word installation is meant to connote for an occasion like this. To be sure, Vanessa is not like some holy appliance waiting to be plugged in. So I want to suggest... Another way to understand what we're doing here. We have gathered to bless this covenant you are making today as pastor and people. We are not unlike the participants and the guests at a wedding. We've come to bless a new relationship, a covenanted relationship. So I want to think with you today about the act of blessing. The word bless is used so often and in such a wide variety of contexts, many of them trivial, that the whole notion of offering a blessing is in some danger of being cheapened. We say, bless you, when someone sneezes. Some people use the phrase, bless you, as a substitute for thank you. Every president in my memory has ended speeches with the benediction, and God bless America. If we ever stop to count our blessings, we would see there's a whole lot of blessing going on. That's nothing new. In the Bible, sometimes the word bless is used in ways that are almost perfunctory. In Hebrew scripture, there are places where the Lord bless you is nothing more than a simple greeting, much like saying hello. But the Bible also attests to the power in this ancient act of blessing. In the creation account, in the first two chapters of Genesis, the creator blesses the creatures, the birds, the fish, the animals, the human creature. And it is as if the blessing is what animates them with life. They live, we live, only through God's continued blessing. Then you will recall the story later in Genesis where Jacob tricked his blind father Isaac 
into giving him the blessing that was intended for his brother Esau. Once the blessing was offered, it had such power that it couldn't be taken back and given to the one for whom it was originally intended. Esau was so furious that he was cheated out of his father's blessing that he set out to kill his brother Jacob. Such is the power of a blessing conferred and a blessing denied. We also read that when Jesus was baptized, God offered a blessing. You are my son, the beloved. My favor rests on you. And all his life long, that blessing sustained Jesus. He clung to it. He nestled in it. He wrapped himself up in it. And we might even say that it was that blessing that equipped Jesus to face all that he had to face and empowered him to do all that he had to do. So there's power in the act of blessing. That's why the blessing I just read from the book of Numbers, perhaps the most familiar of all benedictions, is introduced with the instruction that only priests are to bless. As if to say that offering a blessing is such serious business that it is best left up to the pros. I think we could add our own witness to the scriptural testimony to the power of blessing. In the context of worship, when it's time for a blessing to be offered, you can feel it in the room. There's a heightened sense of attention. You get the sense that fewer people are compiling shopping lists in their minds or are wondering if they left the iron on. No, something is happening here, something that demands attention. We don't want to miss it. When someone is baptized, for instance, the pastor says these are similar words. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit be upon you, child of God, disciple of Christ, member of Christ's church. You are marked with the sign of the cross forever. Those are words of blessing, of course. And you can tell the words have power because they never sound old. Almost as if we lean forward to hear them every time. Or in that moment when someone is ordained or commissioned with a laying on of hands and a prayer of blessing, it's always an electric moment. Even the, the benediction offered at the conclusion of a worship service is a you know, simple act, just a sentence or two of Good words, that's what benediction means, good words. But that one moment seems to gather up all of the sacred energy in the room, as if we all long to be wrapped in a blessing before we leave to face the world outside. It's as if we know that somehow this ancient act addresses a timeless need for God's blessing to be heard, to be received. In one of his books, my friend Tony Robinson says that of all the pastoral duties, the one he misses most now that he's retired is the opportunity to bless people. He writes, 
I would throw up my hands in the air as if embracing God's flock and utter a good word, a benediction. It seems vaguely superstitious and ancient on one hand, maybe a little threatening, and yet on the other hand, hopeful and promising and quite loving. The narrator of Marilyn Robinson's wonderful Pulitzer Prize winning novel, Gilead, is Pastor Ames, who's writing to his young son. In one passage, he describes his sense of gratitude that as a pastor, he's often the one who offers blessings. He goes on to assure his son that he does not, quoting here, have to be a minister to confer blessing. You're simply much more likely to find yourself in that position. It's the thing people expect of you. By affirming that anyone can offer a blessing, Ames reveals that he's a Protestant pastor and not a priest in the ancient tabernacle. In a blessing, we are invoking God's life-giving spirit. And because we believe that that spirit is available to all, anyone can offer a blessing. The power in the blessing is not ours. We only borrow it from God. We invoke it. We channel it. The words have power because they're carried on the wings of God's Holy Spirit. We are merely the messengers, not the source of blessing. The gift of blessing is one we pass on from the God from whom all blessings flow. When the psalmist says, bless the Lord, O my soul, in that beautiful psalm we heard earlier, the sound is a blessing on our own, but and bless God. But we have no power to bless apart from God. To bless God, then, is to give back to God something of the blessing we have received from God. It's not something we do on our own. When we bless God, it's by taking our part in the endless echo of grace. As I said at the beginning, there may be too many casual to blessing. There's still great power in the act of blessing. So I wonder why we don't offer blessings to another. Why is that? I think one reason is that we assume that the people we don't need a blessing. We think our children need advice. We see that our parents support. And listen here. Someone who has annoyed me needs a piece of my mind. Someone home from the hospital needs a meal delivered. A spouse needs a kind word. Much of the time, we can sense that what the people around us need, but we rarely consider that what that person may need more than anything else, what that person may be hungry for, and in some cases, dying of hunger for, is a blessing. The late Henry Nowen wisely wrote, to bless means to say good things. We have to bless one another constantly. Parents need to bless their children. Children, their parents. Husbands, their wives. Wives, their husbands. Friends, their friends. Whether the blessing is given in words or gestures, in solemn or in way, our lives need to be blessed lives. Nowen's words have a quality reminder. Because I think we know that there is power in blessing. We just forget I know of men and women 
and you do too, who have waited their whole lives long to receive a blessing from a father or a mother. I know of parents, and you do too, who would get on the next plane, fly across the country if they thought they might receive their child blessing. It's the same for spouses and partners and friends. In Tony Robbins' book, which I referenced earlier, he writes of this experience. He said, I remember how long I waited before receiving a lesson from my father. At all times, before he died, my wife and I were visiting him in the nursing home where he lived. The three of us were walking together arm in arm, my wife and I on either side of him. By this time, my dad seldom said much that made sense to us. Even his words had become difficult to understand, his speech slurred. As we crossed the dining, as he crossed the dining room, his slippered shuffle drew to a halt. Bent over, he looked up at me and clear as a bell said, You're a good man. Resumed shuffle toward the door. My wife said, Did you hear that? She did not mean, Did you hear the words he said? She meant, Did you hear, really hear what he was saying to you? It was my father's blessing. Three months later, he died. Indeed, as Henry now reminds us, parents need to bless their children. Children are parents. Husbands are wives. Wives are husbands. Friends, they're friends. We have to bless one another constantly. I know of a mother who, the last thing before sending her children off to school, would, would put her hand on the head of each one. And she would say silently to herself, bless you and keep you, bless you and keep you, bless you and keep you. It reached the point that if one of her children left the house without that gesture of blessing, uh, she would come back for it, as if it were as essential as lunch money. And of course, in a sense, it is. <laughs> a blessing can feed a kind of hunger, a hunger of which we may be only dimly aware, but which is very real and sometimes very deep. When our son Todd was a boy, he's, he's now a professional with a family of his own, but when he was a boy, he would wake up in the morning often with what we call bedhead, what other people call bad hair day. And I would take some water in my hand to, to smooth down a cowlick. And as I did, I, I would say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Usually I would say it in a light, lighthearted manner, as if it were only another of our shared jokes. But to me, it was also a wonderful moment in the day. As I remembered the day when I slathered his hair with water in the waters of baptism. In other words, that daily ritual was a chance to bless this child of mine. And we all need a blessing. There are blessings we need to give and blessings we need to receive. So I think one reason we don't offer blessings more often is we mistakenly assume that someone doesn't need a blessing. And the other reason we may not offer blessings is that we have concluded that someone doesn't deserve a blessing. Someone shared with me this, this wonderful Gaelic blessing. May those who love us, love us. And those who don't, turn their hearts And if he doesn't turn their hearts, may he turn their ankles. 
so that we'll know them by their limping. <laughs> Doesn't that capture the kind of blessings that we're sometimes tempted to offer in certain circumstances? It's more like a curse, which, of course, is the opposite of a blessing. Sometimes the good words just stick on our tongue. In a radio interview, novelist uh, Lee Smith pointed out that in her native South, you can say just about anything about someone that might be thought of as uh, critical or unkind, as long as you add the phrase, bless her heart, or bless his heart. She's a vain and self-centered woman, bless her heart. (laughs) He's an ungrateful little man, bless his heart. You know, it's a quirky manner of speech, uh, but I, I also think it's more than that, something quite profound, actually. To say, bless her heart, is to ask God to do something we find it difficult, perhaps in the moment, impossible to do ourselves. We're asking God to bless, but because we have no good words to offer ourselves. Again, words of blessing are borrowed words. We're asking God to bless because we may not, in the moment, have good words of our own to offer. It's similar to the dynamic in asking God to forgive someone. Sometimes we ask God to forgive someone because we know that in that moment, at least, we're not ready to forgive. So Jesus on the cross did not say, I forgive you, but rather, Father, forgive them. God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. To say, may God forgive you, much like when we say, may God bless you, is to borrow words and to borrow the power of God to forgive and to bless when that seems beyond us. It's asking God to take the lead. It's asking God to work through us, even though we are such flawed instruments. Sometimes we're given a privileged glimpse of the holy mystery of God's grace. Not because we understand it or have any claim on it, but because for a moment at least we have actually been a channel for it. That's what can happen when we offer blessings and other gestures of love, even to those we might find unlovable. Somehow the act of blessing and being blessed puts us in a place where God is apt to draw near. And sometimes, through blessing and being blessed, we can find that love or or something very much like it has taken up residence in our hearts. When the presence of God touches such a moment, both the one blessed and the one offering the blessing are given a gift. So, Vanessa, and the good people of First Church, bless each other. Not just today, but often. Give one another that gift. Don't forget to bless each other. Because you both need it. You both deserve it. God wants to offer it. Bless each other continually because you each need a blessing to do the work. 
the sometimes challenging work of being the church together. Don't forget to bless each other. Wrap one another in blessings. Bless each other continually. Instill, not install, instill in each other a sense of blessedness.